Welcome to Return to Oswald. I'm Derek. As always, I'm joined by Scar and Brandon. Uh, Return to Oswald oh is a show that we uh, brought about because Brandon's never seen Oz before. And I just want to see him. Um, I want to live vicariously through his experiences. But as we started doing this show, we started discussing each episode in a way that I didn't really expect, but really do appreciate. Uh, before we get started, Scar, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. I, this episode has my favorite line of the series, and it's a line that I internalized um, qu quite a bit when we get to it. Um, and like, I'll, I'll explain it a little bit more later, but it's something that I can tell you for certain. Whenever someone says something to me, this is the line that I think internally. I'd never say it out loud, but I internalize this line. Okay, because I, I have one that it's not a part of this show, but there is one that I say when people tell me something, but I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing it. Um, Brandon, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. I enjoyed this episode a lot. Um, it kind of jumped around to a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. This episode, like they touched on a lot of different things and different people, which was interesting because a lot of the episodes so far have been focused on one thing or another. And this one kind of um, jumped all around. Um, and I thought Rick Fox was hilarious. By the way, Rick Fox is a so much better actor now than he was then. He, he, I mean, he was really okay, is. But yeah. he's, he's, he was kind of like over the top in this episode. Um, but, but let's keep now it, he's like a really good actor. But keep it real, like he, he became a better actor once he once his girlfriend was a worse actor than him. <laughs> I'm saying his first wife probably taught him a few things because Vanessa Williams is the goat. Yes, I I watched I uh, watched her uh, interview with Fat Joe, and that was very interesting. <laughs> so this episode is ep season one, episode six, called Two Year Health." Uh, the IMDb synopsis is the prison health service is kept busy by a variety of prisoner complaints. Beecher flips out and sends Schillinger to the hospital. My boss, Shabetta, develops stomach problems next to ground glass, and Saeed has a heart attack. Um, I think we should do more of our synopsis of this whole thing, which is the old folks ain't all right. <laughs> I think that that's the theme of this episode, Brandon, more than anything else, was that the old folks ain't all right, which was shown in the very first moments of this episode. Usually <laughs> the first episode or the first few moments they have Augustus doing a, a monologue. But this time, nope, they showed Schillinger giving out mail to everybody and Rebido, the guy who talks to God, got a package. Yeah. And he got swarmed on like 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 they turned the lights on and he got swarmed on like roaches. Like <laughs> Rebido made it about five steps to open up his box before five steps. The niggas attacked him the way that you get attacked in Marvel versus Capcom three. <laughs> When two niggas come from opposite directions and just send you flying in the air, yeah, it's just like, yeah, where's the where's the I jump a nigga button? One nigga, <laughs> one one nigga just walked past and just snatched the box out of his hand so cold, and then for no reason, Kenny Wangler just comes up and punched two pieces of him, one to the stomach and one to the face. Oh, that was so fucked up. Hit him so hard they put him in the hospital. <laughs> It was fucked up, but at the same time, the efficiency of it was just mwah. 
It was quite efficient. It was quite efficient. So after that, they're talking about um, Sister Pete, Dr. Nathan, uh, Father Ray. They're all talking about setting up a old folks home, basically, uh, old folks cell block in cell block, cell block two. Um, Warden Glenn is giving it some thought, and he asks uh, McManus, McManus, you got any thoughts on this? And McManus is like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, do whatever. Doesn't matter. Hey. So then after he doo-doo's his way through this whole meeting where even Glenn is like, well, that's surprising. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll talk with the commissioner about it. Um, Dr. Nathan went over to talk to McManus. And if you remember, McManus and Dr. Nathan had uh, kind of fallen out after McManus tried to snatch her up and punch the wall next to her and all that kind of punk bully shit. Um, but Dr. Nathan's a good person. So she goes over to him and tries to talk to him, see if he's okay. And she invited him out to dinner. Uh, but McManus is still feeling uh, very butthurt. Uh, yeah, about her calling him an asshole. And so he doesn't want a mercy dinner from her. <laughs> he's got pride. He's got pride. Yeah, he's got pride. Uh, he's so got pride. then... You, he's pouting think, like a no. You're underselling. He's pouting like a baby. In the in the meeting, he's mad for two reasons. One, he's pouting like a little baby. He's probably high. Well, three reasons. He's probably high. That's he's it. pouting like a baby. And I think deep down, they allude to it later that he never thought that shit was going to happen to begin with. He knew that the fucking governor was going to niche niche that. He's like, why would I even get excited for this shit? It's one of those things where you're just beat down. Like you ever been in a job? And you have all these ideas and none of them work out. And then they're mm-hmm. like, well, I got this idea. And you're like, now you want me to get excited about this shit? You know, it's not going to work. And then it didn't work. But the other two things are probably more on that is he was probably high and he's pouting like a little bitch. Yeah, he probably just needs some tits. You got some tits, man. You got some tits. Yeah, might be a no, but he was only smoking weed. So I, know, I don't know I just if he's like, going through withdrawal. He's, he's not going with, through withdrawal. He's just, he's just a jerk. So he's like, he got done uh, talking to Dr. Nathan. Dr. Nathan's like, I can't reach him. I can't reach this unreachable white man. (laughs) And so she walks off and he walks off. And then in the next scene, they show him with, um, with Wangler, with Kenny. And he's, yeah. Kenny's got his hands handcuffed behind his back. And How can you defend this, dog? I can defend this. I, okay, let's give it a moment. Bob Rebido's in the hospital, Kenny. So? So? I'm pissed so? off about that. So? So I hear you're responsible. Where'd you hear that from? Oh, I got ears everywhere, Kenny. I know it's true. You don't hit old men, Kenny. You don't hit all What that. What do you want, McManus? You see those guys out there? If I tell them to, they will gladly kick your ass. So what? I'm not afraid of them. I'm not afraid of you either. You're not? No. Well, what are you afraid of? I ain't afraid of nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Aren't you afraid of this? Huh? You afraid of dying? You little fucking punk ass? <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. <coughs> <laughs> oh, 
Okay, Brandon, go. That fucking line had to be improvised. You fucking punk ass. <laughs> oh, I can defend this easily. Um, did he go too far? Absolutely. Absolutely. He needs to be reprimanded for that, for going too far. But if you're going to tell me that you, the nicest man in the world, Derek, would not get mad at a dude for beating the shit out of an old man, I don't believe you. If you saw one of your, if you saw some kid on the street, I'd be pissed. I'd be absolutely shit out of an old man. You would yoke his ass up like you hitting the old man. But you, but look, what you said there was absolutely key. You said, see him do it. McManus is going off straight speculation. But he did it. But he doesn't know he did it. He knows. He knows enough that he did it. He didn't bring the. He know he sucker punched him and beat at the end. He knows that. I'm not defending how far he went, but I understand the anger. I can understand you being like, man, what the fuck's wrong with you? He's an old ass man. Uh, I would be very upset, but when he was like, "Who told you?" I'd be like, "I don't have proof." God told him. That's who told him. Nigga, please. He's in. He's in with what's his face. God told him who did it. And he's like, hey, man, listen, don't beat the shit out. Like, you beat the shit out of all these other so, people. I don't care. So you kill wait, an old wait. boy. I don't care. But come on, man. Wait. So let me make sure I got this straight. And, and I, 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 you know, okay. First of all, McManus looks sweaty as shit in that scene. Yo, I was going to say, what? Hi. <laughs> that um that the shot of him where he's walks to the window and he's sideways and you know he ain't got no upper lip he's like sweaty and shit and <laughs> his teeth are out and he's just kind of seething he looks like the fucking alien dog like i was like yo he looks like the alien he just kind of i expected a little fucking mouth to pop out like <laughs> he looks like the fucking alien at that point and he's just like so I don't know what the fuck's going on, but he's just like, he's in that whole, uh, you know, Friday, I take a dog and I choke him. Like he, that's what he, that's where he goes with this. <laughs> and the, the thing is for me, the thing that we're not giving any thought to is, yeah, he's standing up for, for Rebido. Uh, he's, he's getting revenge for Rebido. Who's in the hospital by, by choking out Wangler choking out Kenny. Who's, in handcuffs, but the thing we have to keep in mind, Kenny is 16. He literally he just assaulted 16. a kid. Yeah. Oh, and and the cops are outside, like, yo, is this nigga choking somebody? Exactly. <laughs> like, they don't do a motherfucking thing. The cops they are the out the cops, are, <laughs> the cops are outside, and you see one look at the other one, like, yo, what this nigga wilding? Like, and they don't do anything, they don't even fucking move. They just kind of look at each other like, yo, he I'm not in the business of defending cops, but I can imagine seeing this puny white dude snap like that will put you like, what the fuck am I watching? Like, what is this? <laughs> right? You usher a little kid into your a little kid. Can you this man murdered someone dude, already, dude? Dude, let's let's not do what the white folks do with young black kids. He's oh. 16. That makes him a kid. He murdered someone. He murdered somebody. I, I know. And he beat the shit out of okay. an old man. Okay, okay, okay. Let's harken back to this. Kevin McAllister attempted murder on like two people. Someone who invaded his house. The, not someone hey, who just happened hey, to be in prison with on multiple he, occasions. On multiple occasions. One was in a hotel. Um, so Kenny is a kid. He's he's a teenager. McManus is like a 35-year-old, or not, say like 
32 year old man at this point. I don't know how old he is. That 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 balding just throws He's things in his off. 30s. Probably early but 40s. he um He's still assaulting a kid that he told you watch you walk a young kid into your boss's office. Your boss tells them handcuff his hands behind his back behind the chair. You handcuff him as your boss says and then he tells you y'all can leave and you go wait outside and you watch through the window while your boss chokes him the fuck out. You're implicit. You're complicit. You are. He also is a murderer. Yes. A violent. I'm not being the white. But so is this dude has been fucking Ribido's murdering the shit out of people. And does, does, does the choking not constitute an attempted murder? No. I don't think he was going to murder him. From weed to murder. That was real quick. If he was going to attempt a murder, he wouldn't have let go. He pushed him. He just pushed him over. He wanted to scare him. He said, what are you scared of? No, but that's, but that's amazing. But that's maiming, right? That because maiming. his hands are behind his back to a metal it's chair, assault. and he pushes him over onto his arms that are tied behind oh, his yeah. back. It's definitely assault. I said he went too far. He did. You did say he went too far. I'll give I you said that. he went too far, but I can understand the anger. <laughs> it's not your granddaddy. Listen, man. Look, you know, I'd be very, you, I, I would be disgusted by somebody beating up an old man, but you know what I'm not going to do? It's because like they in be, the hood no, where they say you know you what I'm rules. not going to, you know what I'm not going to do because you beat up an old man? You know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to go to jail beating you up because you That's beat up true. an old man. That's true. But I can see you being see, very upset about it. I'm going to write a sternly worded letter. No, I'm saying if I saw, if, listen, let me tell you, maybe I'm a bad person. If I saw some dude on the street, Yoke up an old ass man, beat the shit out of him, put him in the hospital, and I know the dude. I would get angry at him. Am yes. I gonna tie? Am I gonna handcuff him and choke him? No, because I'm not. But you're saying like, but if I can you see know the anger. him. If you're on, if you're on the block with him, yes, you can get mad. Yes, McManus you can say knows that's some this dude. Shit, McManus does not know him. McManus oversees him. He, I mean, he knows him. There's a difference, and so, so, so that's the same way that you having a conversation with one of your day ones isn't the same as you having a conversation with your boss. Both of them know you. Correct. But he beat up an old man, dog. He beat like, up an old man over a box someone. of look like brownies. <laughs> yes, for no reason. After killing someone. He was high. Like, this is, like, I'm all for, like, you know, we gotta not treat these 16-year-olds like adults. But, hey, man, there's a point there's a line you can cross at 16 or 17 years old. There is a line. If you're in prison with other grown-ass 30-year-olds and you beating the shit out of them and murdering them, I'm not giving you the you're a child defense at that point. If you're dist- if you're going squaring up with 30-year-olds and murdering them, I'm not giving you he's a, he's just an innocent well, child. Well, now, in his defense, in, in Kenny's defense, he murdered another teenager. He killed somebody at his school over a coat. No, he killed somebody in prison. Didn't we? Didn't he kill the white dude? Then the, he kidnapped the white dude and killed the white dude and and the one the Italian dudes in the earlier episodes. No, they beat his ass. <clears throat> they no, they, they beat he was still in the hospital. Yeah. No, he didn't kill anybody. He didn't murder he didn't anybody in prison. No. no uh, Johnny Post killed somebody. Johnny Post killed somebody. He beat the shit out of somebody. 
Like the dude, just and, and he's dad. just still in the hospital as far as we know, but they, he's not okay. dead. He didn't they murder. Had, he just yeah. nearly murdered the dude. Yeah, they had they hit that dude with the um the Ace and, and, too. And and, and <laughs> they in started his bouncing, defense, they started bouncing that nigga off of everything. In his defense, <laughs> if Adabisi told me and I'm 16 to come with me so we can beat the shit out of somebody, I'm gonna go. Oh, well, I'm gonna go too. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm just saying you can't give him the defense. <laughs> I listen innocent, to everything that the innocent <laughs> little kid. Adabisi tell me to wipe back to front. Okay, you tell me to wipe front to back. All right. I, I, so you know what? I, you know what? Just just to be safe. I don't need I'm your gonna help. Start, I'm going to start on both ends and I'm going to pinch. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> but, but as you go forward, I have a note that backs okay. up my entire premise from this entire season. Okie dokie. Because so, I want to see if you're going to call out Mr. Leo. That's what I want to see. So say. in the next scene, Warden or McManus in there lifting weights, weak ass weights, little ass nothing weights like 25 on each pounds. side nigga lifting 50 pounds putting in work on a well, show 45 so you know he's lifting. 95 pound weakling 95 pounds. little ass nigga <laughs> get up <laughs> so warden glenn walks <laughs> he's gonna in. get up and start beating his chest and shit like <laughs> warden glenn do you even lift bro uh warden glenn <laughs> comes in while he's lifting weights and uh he sits down and and mcmahon's like yeah i'll ignore you if you ignore me <laughs> Glenn's like, I, right. but then he tells him, I've noticed you've been acting real differently over the past few weeks. Um, and also noticed that you've been living in Emerald City. Uh, he said that he thinks Oz is starting to nick away McManus's soul, which I've always, one of the things that I've always stood behind is the reason why I didn't become a CO or anything that had to do with prison facilities is because when you work at a facility, one of the things my mom impressed on me at a very young age, and I don't know the, the truth behind it, but it's always stuck out to me, is that when you work in a prison facility, you're pretty much an inmate as well. Because if there's a lockdown, you can't leave. If they take hostages, you can't get negotiated for. And it's just something that I wouldn't want to be at or be involved in. But McManus... Uh, he thinks that McManus's soul is starting to deteriorate being around all these horrible people 24-7. And McManus responded by saying that um, he didn't hear none of the shit that Glenn said to him that would have helped him out. He just noticed that it was the first time that Glenn ever called him Tim. Good point. And his heart grew through. He this is what happens thing. when you care. <laughs> like, if you're detached from something, right? If you're detached from something, then, you know, if it goes bad, if it fucks up, you know, whatever. I'm detached from it. When you care about something and you get into it, man, that shit will eat away from you. Glenn was right. Yeah. Do y'all think that McManus is depressed, though? I think McManus is the dude that had this idea. He had this vision of prison. Like, he had this vision of, like, prison should not be what it is. Like, if we're going to do this prison system, like, we should be rehabilitating people. We should give them more freedom. We should have them go to class and have them do jobs and not have them, you know, just kill each other. And then in his in his um, experiment, they're just fucking murdering everybody left and right when he's tr- like and he's thinking like, I'm trying to do these things. And then every and then while that's happening, the dude above the dude above him and the dude above that person is chipping away at everything that he's trying to build like conjugal visits and sm- like every like freedom that they have they're just taking away their freedoms one by one 
and is making people get stripped to their basic instincts of survival. And he's in this experiment like, like he's getting despondent. And then he go, turns to drugs. And then he's being a terrible person in his relationships. And he's already a kind of a, a bitch in his real life, I can tell. Even you can be you can be that type of person and still have good intentions. And he's kind of a sucker with good intentions. And all that's coming crashing down on him, and he's lashing out like a little baby. Sorry, you got any thoughts on it? Going in this corner. Nope, I don't really have anything here. Okay. So get to this next scene. Come so on. So the next step is Rebido's gonna escape. He said God will show him the way out. He tells Groves this. Here's God's plan for him. Shout out to Drake. Rebido's plan to escape from prison is to go down the steps to start his escape. When he gets to a certain floor, he sees cops. So he runs back up the stairs to the roof. When he gets to the roof, the door is locked. So he pounds on the door and has a fucking heart attack. <laughs> I don't know if he had a heart attack, honestly. He just passes out and falls down the stairs and ends up in the hospital. Whew. Yeah. <sighs> I, I mean, so much for God telling you stuff. And then the next thing after that is they I mean, show... I mean, wasn't he supposed to open the window? <laughs> uh, exactly. He said God gave him a plan, but I guess he didn't hear it. Um <laughs> Look, God, God led him to a closed door. He was supposed to open a window. I'm guessing that's what that ain't that what them niggas say. Like you know what, they, the window probably was open, but there's bars on them, right? So uh, after that, they show Alvarez, our uh, yeah, Miguel Alvarez, the granddaddy. He's sitting naked, mumbling to himself. He thinks he's back at home, uh, and he needs to check up on his mother. This they so find sad. he has Alzheimer's, and it is sad. Um, no, that shit was funny. I just want to say. Uh, that I do. I'm, I'm the only one that found this funny. <laughs> well, I have bearing on it because both my grandfather on my dad's side and my grandma on my mom's side are going. Or my grandfather died from it, and my no, grandmother's going through it. What What I'm saying is, the last time we seen this dude, he fucking was like he was slapping He walked. He walked up to a motherfucker, slapped him in the fucking face, and then gave him a hug. Like yo, he's, he's, he still it gets the MVP. He slapped that I mean, nigga into caring about his child. I like, mean, that last is crazy. Time, last time we saw him, he was the man on these streets. Like, what, what the fuck happened? D damn, homie. And that's what we're <laughs> saying. The time frames. In, in the city, you was the man, homie. What the fuck happened to you? Time jumps. But then again, it does, and they never confront it. And and so it just it's just like, what? But you can definitely tell that the time jumps when you get, as we go later on this episode. Um Father Ray said he's going to let Miguel know about his grandfather, which uh, McManus appreciates because he doesn't want to give out any more bad news. Um, they don't have a ward for the elderly. They don't have a ward for the elderly suffering from Alzheimer's. Oh, uh, oh, we didn't we didn't mention that while the warden was in there uh, lifting weights with McManus, he said that their request for the old people ward was denied. Yes. Yeah, and McManus said it wasn't them. It was the mayor. I mean, it was the governor. It was the governor who yeah. the governor's going through some shit, too. We'll get to that in a second. Um, but Sister Pete thinks that they should literally just let Ricardo Alvarez go free uh, because he's suffering from Alzheimer's and he's old. Uh, Father <laughs> Ray says that um 
a 31-year-old inmate costs $21,000 a year to maintain. A senior citizen costs three times that amount. And the warden um, is like, nigga, when you start doing Warden math? Glenn was like, where do you get them numbers from? Why you care? And this part was fucked up, how glib he was. Uh, was Warden, Glenn, <laughs> Warden Glenn looks at them and says, if he doesn't know he's imprisoned, then he's already free, isn't he? <laughs> this dude is fucked up, he went, man. He went full on... Fuck that nigga, yo. I wonder He's if, terrible. I wonder if the two of them have had a run-in at some point because he went zero to fuck that nigga real fast. Like, like you think when Glenn was a CO, he ran into uh, fucking Ricardo somewhere and it just went No, he's sideways. just an asshole. McManus is fucked up because he cares so much that he's losing this shit. This nigga's glib laughing at an old man going through old times like, <laughs> he don't know where he's at. <laughs> he's free right now. He think he's on the beach somewhere, g- giggling and laughing. What so, a terrible fucking person. So they aren't going to let um, Alvarez go free, even if the only reason why he murdered somebody was in protecting his son, um, which was something that Sister Pete said to him, um, that, you know, he's not a threat to anybody anymore. And the warden basically hit her off with the, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I told you it went full fuck that nigga. Horrible. So then after that, um Sister Pete is talking to Alvarez about his grandfather. And I thought that this whole scene was just really Alvarez is the guy who portrays Alvarez is just so fucking dope as an actor. Like, and it's just the little things, but he does a splendid job with this scene. While I was growing up, both my father and my grandfather came to Oz. You know, when I was little, I always wondered what was so great about prison that they'd want to leave us and come here. <laughs> but you're a kid, you know, what do you know? Yeah. So uh, the word grandfather, what does the word mean to you emotionally? Nothing. I don't mean nothing at all to me. Pizza means more. Doorknob. Would you like grandfather to mean something to you? Yeah. Dr. Nathan's not sure how long your grandfather has to live. Look. Since your father's an orderly in the prison hospital and is going to spend the remaining time with your grandfather, there's no reason you can't do the same thing. Maybe if you take care of him, you'll learn to care for him. You know, in my family, Ricardo was like a god. You know, he was a legend. My grandmother used to show me these pictures, you know, and tell me stories all about him. And I wanted... I wanted to be like him, you know? Yeah. See, now I see he's just a man. You know, he's just an old man, and he's riding away. I don't want to end up like my grandfather. You don't have to, Miguel. Oh, really? Well, I don't see it going down any other way. Okay, is it me or when the the part where he walks to that door and he turns around and starts talking? Did anyone else hear John Travolta? 
Like, did anyone else hear that? He sounds like John Travolta. Well, yeah, like, from Pulp Fiction. Yeah, he sounds exactly like John Travolta. Like, I, <clears throat> I don't know what the fuck happened in that moment, but like, he turns around and he's like, getting he's getting choked up. His grandfather is sick. He can't reach him. He's being asked if he wants to form a relationship with him now in his last days when he can't even recognize him. You know, it's a feeling. I like that dude. You gotta watch Twelve Monkeys. He's he's great. I've seen twelve. You mean the TV show or the the movie? Yeah, TV show. Oh no, I only saw the movie. I only think I saw the movie. So then he always meant to do, and then he never kind of get around to it. So then the next step that happens is grows has a has a toothache. He's talking to Sister Pete, (laughs) and uh, he has a toothache. So she's like, "Yo, you should make an appointment to see the dentist." And the dentist is freaking out. <laughs> the dentist is like, yo, I'm not putting my hands in this motherfucking mouth. He eats people. I mean, that's a valid concern. He said, nigga, I do not have to take the Hippocratic Oath. I am a doctor. Or I am a dentist. Right. <laughs> we are not doctors. <laughs> so then um, he, he ends up getting his tooth pulled. And he's holding up this nasty yellow rankled ass tooth and he's like this is my tooth it was in my mouth i used it to eat my mom right (laughs) and ross is like yo you should sell that shit he should yeah i mean it ain't like he's gonna get anything for it in prison but uh they were like he was like yeah if i could sell this i got 30 more just like it and i was like you know what grows really would pull out all his teeth for money so and then the next get fake beef with the money he could get from selling his shit, yeah. Um, so then after that, Beecher is being forced to put on lipstick and perform at a talent show. Man, man, listen, I, I like this dude so much. I feel so bad for him every episode. He's got the he's got the worst life in there, honestly. Nobody yeah. has a worse life than him yeah. in there. Not at all. I feel so bad for him. But he's the only one who's <sighs> that just got there who's not built for it. Like, I'm sure Rebido, when he first got there, might have went through the same type of shit. If there's but, anyone I support getting high on PCP or heroin to escape, it's that dude. He's not built for that. So, um, so I, wait, no, because I already know what you're about to do, Scar. No, what what am I about to do? I don't know. I'm just saying, like, I, 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 like, I like seeing, like, how this place changes a person like everyone else everyone else there has has been there even the people who are coming in fresh most of them have been there already like Mm -hmm. you know me like he's like the only one that we know of really outside of like kenny but like kenny was a hardened criminal but like he's the only one that we saw that's that is starting fresh yeah like as fresh as you could possibly be in this situation and I, th- his story is the most interesting to me. I think, I think he's the main character, in my opinion. He, Beecher is the main character of this whole thing to me. Yeah, I, I, I just feel so bad for him. I'm so in, enthralled in his story. Because I just want to, like, we'll get to it at the end of this episode. But I was fucking standing up cheering at the end of this episode. I was so happy. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I have questions about the actual talent show. Like, how'd that nigga get blooms? 
in prison to do his balloon trick where he had the balloons going through his nose and shit. Uh, how'd they get Beecher high heels in a dress? I mean, what we've we've talked about on multiple episodes about how they just get regular ass shit and they just wear regular ass clothes around there. Yeah, but, but like, yeah. yeah. Who told the piano player? Anyhow, uh, right after the performance, uh, Beecher walks off the stage and he gets high and Sister Pete saw him get high. Uh, and she thinks the only way for him to stop feeling like a victim and this is the worst idea I think Sister Pete's ever had on this show. Absolutely. The, um, the worst idea you can have in this situation. Her, her solution to him feeling like a victim is to show him that he's not a victim by sitting him down in front of the mom of his victim, sit him down in front of the mother of the little girl he killed. And I just want to know how that's uh, cathartic for him. How's that good for his mental health? So she sits down with him and this fuckery happens. Hello? My husband wouldn't come. He said he was afraid he might kill you. This is Kathy. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. I'm not sure why I came. At the trial, I was sitting behind you. I could barely see your face. I guess I just wanted to finally see you see your eyes and to tell you that I miss her every single moment of every single day oh you fucking bastard I hope you die in here you motherfucking I hope you run in hell! You killed my baby! She went zero to Karen real fast. Real, real like, quick. But see, here's here's the part that I, I that where I feel bad for Beecher in this moment. Because like we know that he killed somebody. He didn't mean to kill her. And like, you're treating him as if this was premeditated murder. Yes, he ended up killing your child. And I guess you 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 have to have those kind of feelings about that. And like this whole time, he says absolutely nothing. And you can see on his face, like he is not a hardened criminal. He did not mean to do this. You can see this on his face. She shows him the picture and he 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 buckles he recoiled he, yeah yeah he tried he tried he tries to hold this back and he's just like fuck i did that and like you're not you're not talking to someone that just like you know like it's, I, I i i get it i get from her perspective how she feels about the situation but like you also have to understand like yo he didn't mean to do this none of this none of this was planned by him uh he, he didn't you know he didn't want to be there 
He didn't want to be there talking to her. He doesn't want to be in prison. He didn't want to be at, at the, the moment when he killed your child. He didn't want to be there. He That's not where he thought he was going to be. Mm-hmm. And like, and you can't even like, I don't know. Never mind. I, I just, this is the reverse of like the black parents when the black person gets killed, like a black kid gets killed by the cops or something like that. Because they like, oh, you got, do you forgive the cops? Like, do you do you have forgiveness for the cops? Do you are you do you are you, are you still mad about like what happened? Can you move or how can you move forward? And it's like he just got murdered by a police officer. Like, what are you like? What are you talking about? Whereas, like in this situation, it wasn't on purpose. It wasn't like it's still bad. So I understand her anger, and I don't I don't mind her anger. I think you know she's justified in being how angry she ever wants to be. But if there was ever a situation to, you know, be like you know. I, you know, I'm trying to move on. It's when someone accidentally kills one of your children and, you know, accident being drunk is not the same as like, I dropped something off a roof when I was doing construction and it hit your child accident. Like Mm -hmm. it's not the same thing as that, but it, it wasn't, I'm driving down the street looking to kill someone. And so I see both sides of this. So I see why she's angry, but I also see why that was a terrible idea for Beecher because sister Marie knows that, Beecher didn't try to kill that girl. Like she knows that he wasn't that type of person. He already felt guilt about it. You this could was, already tell he felt guilt about it. Only going to make it worse. Yeah. This was ne- no part of this was going to make anything better for him. And she said she was doing it so then he'd see that he wasn't the victim, which was extremely selfish on her part. It's it's we don't know how much time has elapsed between the death of this child, but we don't know if the parent was ready. We don't know if either one of them were really prepared for what they were going to get into. The father is still feeling like, I don't want to see him because I'm going to try and kill him. And yet and, sister Peter Marie thought that this is a good idea. And no matter how you feel about what he did in that place, he is 100% a victim. Mm-hmm. And you know this. And you, and, you did, and you did this to him anyway. She's literally doing this for his mental health. Like she sees him spiraling and she's like, this is what I'm going to do. How is that? That's not what, and she's a, she's a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. Like she's the, she's the counselor. That's yeah, the kill part. And he works your sound for her. Wait, your sound he, wait, he works for her. She sees him every day. And you know what? bootstraps that's basically what she did to him there's people who are worse off than you beecher tell me how in here point out somebody who's doing worse than me in here you can't yeah this is this is one of the times where i wish you had your soundboard because that's not how this works that's not how any of this works like what what I don't, I don't understand what she thought someone that we thought was at least um, decently mentally competent as a human in this very inhumane place could think that this was a good idea. And the worst part of it is that um, when it's all said and done and after she trots him out in front of this in front of Kathy's mom. Then she brings him back to her office and has a counseling session with him. And this happens. I don't know. Maybe I let Schillinger treat me like dirt because I deserve to be punished. 
because I... I killed Kathy Rockwell. Because I destroyed her family. And my own. And you hate yourself for that. Yes. I guess I hated myself back before, too, you know. I, I hated myself, so I drank too much. And then I hated myself for drinking too much, so to punish myself, I drank more. Sister. I don't want to hate me. That is heartbreaking. This is, this is literally the conversation you should have before you call that girl's mom. Mm-hmm. Randy, you got thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, I said it earlier. Like, I just, I feel so bad for that dude. Um, in a in a prison full of, you know, a bunch of situations that probably aren't the greatest. You know, I don't want to be the person that's like the white dude that went to Harvard is having it the worst, but the white dude that went to Harvard is absolutely having the worst time in this place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I can't, I'm not going to pretend like it's not. And so I watched this and I'm just like, I was hoping what of what happens next happened and it happened. So, well, it didn't happen right after that. No, um, not right after. Return to Oswald will be back after this commercial break. Hey, y'all. This is Derek. We want to thank y'all so, so much for taking time out to listen to this show. What we'd like for you to do right now, wherever you're at, is screenshot your phone, iPad, or whatever you're listening to the show on, and send it to us on Twitter at Return to Oswald. We'll retweet it to everybody. And show that you're a part of the family. Also, if you'll be so kind as to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening to this podcast at. And subscribe and follow. We'll greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much. And back to the show. So then after that, um, he goes back to his pod. And Beecher and uh, Schillinger's in there. Schillinger's like, yeah, um, I know you were doing drugs over there. Told you not to do drugs. Uh, put this on. And so Beecher takes the shirt that Schillinger has, and it is a Confederate flag shirt, which I I was, I know that that would get you rolled up in 2020, but I didn't think that people cared as much back in 97 as they do now. But apparently Beecher already knew that if I wear this out here amongst all these brothers, I'm going to get fucked the fuck up. And Schillinger was like, so what? Uh, and then you find out that Schillinger's doing this basically to impress Scott Ross. Bruh, I'm going to tell you something that, that was I weird to me. me I too. didn't notice. I didn't notice this the first time, but I noticed this. I noticed this this time. Um, Schillinger made him wear a shirt that he does not wear himself. Yes. Like he he won't even wear a, a Confederate flag shirt in a place where he's like the neo-Nazi. Like he he won't even wear the Confederate flag shirt. So, but he made him do it just as a way of saying, 
<laughs> I want a new cellmate. Um, you can't transfer. I want you to die. And he is such a casual menace. I think that is his that is his new name. Casual menace. Um, <laughs> he, he does he does everything with such glee. It's 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 low-key adorable. Like he's just like, I want you to die. He's like, I can I can just get transferred to another. No, I don't want them to have you. I want them to kill you. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, he's such a casual menace. So then um <clears throat> Beecher, uh well, as Beecher's going down the stairs covering up his shirt, uh, because Schillinger literally has a chair out on the uh, tier and he's sitting there watching him like a guy watching stuff happen from his uh, balcony. Um, so he's going to watch to make sure this happens. <laughs> he's he's sitting there watching like, don't nobody say nothing bad about this Jenkins. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so as Beecher's walking down the stairs, you overhear on the uh, news that uh, Devlin, Governor Devlin refuses to resign. Uh, but might get 25 years in prison. Um, Beecher goes and sees O'Reilly. He's like, O'Reilly, uh, Schillinger's going to make me wear this shirt. They're going to fuck me up, do something. And O'Reilly's like, yeah, I guess you need to get high. Uh, <laughs> if you got to go, go high. Go with a smile. <laughs> and I don't know what was in this actual dose, but it must have been something bad because... He said it was PCP. Yeah. And this, okay. this wasn't this wasn't yeah. the normal shit that they was doing. This was, okay, yeah, he said it was PCP, and I was like, "This can't be the normal shit that they've been doing." But um, so next thing that happened is O'Reilly gets called by uh, Shabetta. Uh, O'Reilly is being moved to the kitchen by Shabetta because Adabisi is stealing and generally doing a poor job. Uh, Shabetta lets Adabisi know by talking hella greasy to him. Hella um, greasy. Shabetta told Adabisi. When Adebisi goes into Shabetta's cell and says, yeah, I thought we were partners, Shabetta's talking nice to him again. And he's like, well, we are partners, but uh, I just feel like O'Reilly will do a better job in the kitchen than Ortolani ever did. And it'll let you focus on the drugs. And so Adebisi yeah, basically- like, hmm? He's like, you're doing great with the drugs. I, I, I need you, you can stay there. I just need somebody else over the kitchen because I think you're fucking that part up. And Adabisi was like, oh, you think he could do better than me? You want to bet? And had all the homeboys shut down the fucking kitchen during mealtime. Yeah, them, them niggas was drinking hugs. <laughs> <laughs> Great hugs, by the way. I noticed Great. that. Uh, Great. Kenny. Um, so O'Reilly, the way he gets uh, Adabisi and the, and the fellas Adabisi and the homeboys, the, the gangbangers, back in line is he takes Adabisi, he goes into the back cage where Adabisi's doing nothing, listening to music. And he tells him of his plan to murder Shibetta, which is he's going to put glass into his mills. Okay, that's a good idea. That's dope. The problem with that idea is that when he smashes the jar down, I counted at least four heads that looked up as he's talking hella loud about how he's going to grind up this glass and put it in Shibetta's food. But then again, all of those people back there are niggas and they don't give a fuck about Shabetta. Very true, but four people, that's four too many people in on this plan and O'Reilly should know better than that. Yes. O'Reilly's that, such a snake that you know he knows better than that. But then again, like, 
it might have been his plan, but like eventually when Adebisi is the one that keeps the plan going, he can always point the finger back there. So it's an excellent snake plan. Also, I don't know how that works. Crushing glass and putting it in your food. I don't know the physics of that. But while this whole conversation is happening, uh, Beecher has gone back up the stairs. Well, while the conversation between um, O'Reilly and and Shabbat is happening, Beecher's gone back up the stairs high as fuck, took a plastic chair, like a plastic back weak ass chair. And uh, Schillinger and Ross are sitting in their pod. Beecher takes his plastic ass chair and smashes the glass door of his pod. Why are these glass panes not plexiglass? Why aren't these plastic? Why are they not fiberglass? Like, why are they, why is this glass actual fucking glass? And why is it so easily breakable? Yes. <laughs> like the glass flew in shards. Oh, to be fair, it may not have been easily breakable. You got a man that's heavily on PCP. Yeah, he's heavily on PCP with a really flimsy plastic chair. He's heavily on PCP. Yeah, with the that chair didn't have iron rods going up the back of the plastic part. That's literally just an IKEA plastic chair. <laughs> <laughs> like that shouldn't have done nothing to nobody. He, he was on some uh, early Eminem. I'm strong enough to beat you to death with a feather pillow. Shit, right there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and that's what got me was that okay. Um, that chair is not strong enough to make that window collapse the way it did. Like this isn't do the right no, thing. Beecher is strong throwing, enough to do that. <laughs> this ain't do the right thing where he's throwing a fucking uh, trash can through a window. He just lightly tapped the plastic chair to the window, and it was just like that's it. Bing. But I think I think part of this is Shillinger's fault. Why? Because you know, over the course of all of this time, Schillinger made that motherfucker do push-ups all the time. Very true. Or push. And he's on PCP. And that. <laughs> and so uh, he's like, "I'm gonna kill you." Beecher's like, "I'm gonna kill you, motherfucker." I'm like, "Yeah, take that." Woo, woo, woo. He got a standing ovation from the niggas. But before he got he a standing sure. ovation, before he before he got a standing ovation from the niggas, he knew it was gonna happen. So while he's talking shit, he's literally climbing his way up the balcony. He's about to jump. He knows. <laughs> yes. And he, he imagines himself jumping before he actually jumps, and then they grab him. So he gets sent to the hole. He's he's gone. He's gone. And um Schillinger gets taken to the to the uh, ward to the uh, medical ward. He might lose his eye. Um, Good. He's still like, "I'm gonna kill that motherfucker. I'm gonna kill him." Which you really shouldn't say around cops, but you know whatever. I mean, some of those who are in forces. <laughs> yeah. Be the See, same here's man. the here's the downfall of this. Right. This is my prediction. Listen, some one of them two's got to go. At some point, one of them two's got to go. It's it's no even if they move him. If be, if they be like yo, Beecher, you know what? We're moving you out of the cell. Look, they let y'all out the doors all the time. Like one of y'all, something's gonna happen between them. And uh, I'm hoping that Beecher don't get his ass in jail. He got parole in what seven years? Like yo, just serve them seven, man. Get the fuck out of there. Serve that seven. Get out of there. So speaking of uh, parole, O'Reilly. I, I, know, I know the answer and I can't say it. So speaking of parole, O'Reilly is uh, talking to Sister Pete and I swear he's hitting on her. 
when he's like, hey, I'm going to go to this place and they're talking about this place out in the jungle and everything. And he's like, you should come with me. You're not like any nun I've ever met. Um, and she's looking for a second, like she's into it. But then he tells her something real as shit. He was like, Sister Pete, I got 12 years ago until parole. And I'm going to make it. I'm going to survive. And that literally summed up the entire mindset of O'Reilly while he's in prison. I'm going to survive. No matter what. So uh, we don't know how much time frame passes after that. But Nino starts having pains in the stomach. He blames Adebisi spicy sauce. Of course. Um, Augustus, the guy in the wheelchair, lets us know that he's a recovered crack addict. And that's important because his all-time favorite basketball star, Jackson Bayhew, got 12 years for attempted rape and assault. Uh, 12 years up for parole in five. Um, and he's coming to Oz. Augustus is so excited about this shit that he literally sits at the bottom of the stairs because McManus doesn't have fucking wheelchair access to his office. When Augustus tells McManus about this, McManus says, put it in the suggestion box. He was joking. Yeah, I'm sure he was because the suggestion box probably next to his office. Exactly. <laughs> um, Dirt nasty nigga like, yo, he's the worst. So McManus says, uh, well... Augustus is like, yo, I want to be his sponsor. I want to be the person to show him around. McManus says, what made you think I'm bringing him to Emerald City? And Augustus says, because like everybody else, you're a star fucker. Exactly. <laughs> He's right. He is. And then Rick Fox shows up. So Scar, before we even get to Rick Fox, have we gotten to the part with the line that you were talking about earlier? No, Rick Fox actually says it. Okay, cool. So, uh, the CO, the first thing that's happened is the CO's talking tough to everybody when Jackson first gets in there. He tells Vahue, okay, you stay here. The rest of y'all motherfuckers pack up. You're going to your cells. And he le- he watches everybody else walk out, and then he comes over to Jackson. He's like, hey, hey, can I get an autograph? It's for my kid. Hey, yeah. Uh, can you sign right here? And that's exactly how it was for uh, Rick James when he was in Folsom Prison. Like, they had to keep Rick James uh, separated from most of the staff and most of the prisoners uh, because staff kept sneaking over to him trying to get autographs. I wonder if that's how I was with Mike Tyson. Oh, I'm certain. I also, I don't certain. know, even prisoners, I don't know how many prisoners was running up on Mike Tyson. <laughs> in well, nobody running up on him trying to fight. <laughs> yeah, that's what I meant. Like, I don't know if maybe we were running up on him trying to fight him. If that nigga was like, y'all need to be quiet, everybody was quiet. Like... <laughs> <laughs> the Simpsons. He was like, turn these lights off. <laughs> and all the lights went out in the entire prison. Um Quiet Coyote. <laughs> but um Bayhew comes in and uh I like I, I I we've already said that Rick Fox did a serviceable job here um he didn't do that bad for an athlete i don't think they should ever let him get a long monologue again uh but he did do better than barry bonds ever would have um here's his opening monologue shot yo thought i'd find you here you just go ahead and leave me fuck alone i mean i'm just here to help you get adjusted <laughs> what adjusted to this shit where you from? You from the projects? Yeah. Oh, well, me too. Spend all your time adjusting, right? 
Yeah. Figuring out how to fucking stay alive, right? Figuring out why you don't have nothing. What, you got about three ways you can get out? You sell some drugs, you sing, or this shit right here. They all take some talent, man. I just happen to be lucky. Fucking jump. I could hang, I could put this ball on the hoop. Oh, I got adjusted. I got famous, I got rich. I got used to the touring, the endorsements, the women. Maybe not the women. I fucking blew that, boy. I blew that. The one thing I'm good at don't mean dick in here. So how the fuck I'm supposed to adjust to that? Shot. So... Before we go, and 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 I, 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 there's more for Jackson. Like Jackson's first three, the first three minutes of Jackson in prison, we, I, I made sure we got them all because, but I just want to talk in between them. I never understood how somebody with power would need to, some guys fucking piss me off. I just want to say that real quick. Um, mm-hmm. And the more power you have, the more it pisses me off. But what pisses me off universally is when a guy rapes or attempts rape on somebody. Um, mm-hmm. and, and rape is always a power move. It's not about sex or anything like that. Um, but to, at the end of this statement, say he fucked it all up with women. Dude, you're in there for attempted rape. Like you literally- I think that's what he was saying. I, that's how I took it. I took it that he was saying, like, I had all these women and I fucked it up by trying to rape a woman. Like, I'm stupid. Like, I fucked it. Like, I, you know, I did some stupid shit. Like, I, you know, it was fucked up. And that, you know, and that fucked it all up. I thought that's what he was saying. Maybe I took it wrong. You no, know, you're, you're probably right. Maybe I took it wrong, but I'm just like, ugh. Because, <sighs> yeah, I thought he was saying, like, you know, I was rich. I was a basketball player. I could have any woman that I wanted. Like consensually, and I fucked it all away by trying to rape this woman. Which yeah. that's what I that's what I thought he was saying. Yeah, fuck that dude. I mean, I know it's a TV show and all, but still, collectively, fuck that dude. Scar, you got anything before we go to the next one? Nope, we ain't got okay. Yet. Also, mm-hmm. this nigga does not uh, mop floors, windows, or windows. Fuck you. I ain't doing this. Oh, yes, you are. What's the story here? Mr. NBA won't do his work assignment. It was explained to you, right? Everybody in M-City has a job to do. Give me another job, then, because I'm not doing this one. Uh, You don't get to choose. Look, pal, I don't do windows, okay? I don't do windows! Well, now you get to clean that up. (laughs) George Washington Cobb. Uh, he was born to slave parents, but he worked his way up and through uh, Iowa State College, becoming a botanist and an agricultural chemist. Now, he discovered hundreds of uses for the peanut, uh, the sweet potato, and the soybean. Now, uh, Ms. Venu, are you listening to me? Sure. Soybean. <laughs> All right, we'll pick up here next week. Uh, Venu. Uh, I know you're a big hotshot basketball star. If you don't stop paying attention in the class, you're going on report. Go ahead, nigga. Oh, no, my friend. You're the nigga. 
<laughs> like who yeah. the fuck decided to cast the Mr. Tibbs understudy for this role? Like, <laughs> oh my god, oh like you know that dude just he got bullied growing up, and and I'm not saying that that's good or anything at all. I'm just saying that this was his oh, one chance funny. to lord over somebody who probably would have made him horribly miserable growing up. But that was a hard-ass R at the end of that nigga. Like, <laughs> no, sir, you're the nigger. <laughs> no, he enunciated. Like, <laughs> like, I need you to calm down, sir. This is, no- not, this is not theater. <laughs> like, I need you to break this down just a little bit. I get it. I understand. Like, you may- maybe you're used to off-Broadway. But I need you to bring this down a little bit. This is TV, dog. He enunciated like, don't talk to me that way. I played Hamlet in Cambridge. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he sounded like he sounded like he's uh Sydney Portier's stunt double. Like I gotta hear that one more time. I'm sorry. He put so much life into that. If you don't stop paying attention in the class, you're going on report. Go ahead, nigga. Oh no, my friend, you're the nigga. And leaned into it. You're the nigger. Not I don't even me. know what that means. What the lean into it with the two fingers? No, like what does that statement mean? No, nah, he does. No, the, you're the he nigger. Does, he does the upward pinch motion. Like he's, <laughs> you're, you're the nigger. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> and and he's honestly. He's honestly picking on Jackson. Like, Jackson is paying attention. Jackson, he tells him, like, are you paying attention to me? Are you listening to me, Mr. Vahew? And Jackson's like, yeah, you're talking about soybeans. Whatever, dog. Like, dude, the whole thing is boring. I don't know anybody who would actually be enthralled by this conversation. You're showing slides on one of those big click-click machines. (laughs) Oh, God. You're the nigger. Good sir. Good night. Fuck with me. He probably went home and told his wife, guess who I saw today? That's right. It was Jackson. Guess what I had to tell him? Yep. Yep. That's it. I said it. I called him that. Uh-huh. Whole R. Uh-huh. Told him that. Who's bad? Who's bad? Who's bad? Who who while while doing the chicken neck? Who's bad? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. You know what he sounded like? He sounded like um, when Chappelle plays the white man on the Chappelle show. I just want to hear you breathing. Yeah, like that. Yeah, that one. <laughs> he sounds just like that. I didn't know I couldn't do that. <laughs> oh, no, my friend. You're the nigga. You got any drugs? No. What the fuck good are you? (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, the funny thing, it wasn't funny. I swear it wasn't. But Augustus, after that whole hard nigger roll, Augustus is sitting outside the classroom with his hand out, looking like a kid who wants a high five from somebody at the Warriors game. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Augustus. I know, right? And so he's like, if you ain't got drugs, what the fuck good are you? So then after that, Jackson is eating or he's about to eat. And um, yeah, he 
gets an opportunity to talk with not only O'Reilly, but also Saeed. What, you looking for an autograph? Oh no, my brother, your fame means nothing to me. Except of that you are important to many children. And you are a role model. I ain't asked to be nobody's fucking role model, all right? Nonetheless, you are. And that carries an enormous responsibility. Hey, look, man, fuck you, all right? Go preach that shit to somebody else. <laughs> all right, my brother. All right, but we will talk again. Yeah, don't bet on that. That's a lamb on like my brother. Eat me, nigga. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> he was great here, though. Rick Fox was great. Assalamu alaikum. Yeah, eat me, nigga. <laughs> How, how many black people actually say shit like that? I don't know any black people that would say eat me, nigga. Like, <laughs> who, the fuck, who the fuck says that? Oh my god! And and Kareem, Kareem just, oh my god. To his credit, Kareem did come up to him and instantly try and hit him with, "Nigga, you a role model. You should become a Muslim." Jackson's like, bitch, I ain't no role model. I ain't never been a role model. Assalamu alaikum, my brother. Yeah, he said that shit like he was at a theme park. <laughs> he said that shit like he was rolling his eyes. Like, thank you. No, he said that shit like he was, like he had just dealt with a bad customer at fucking Best Buy. Have a nice day. Assalamu alaikum, my brother. Yeah, eat me, nigga. <laughs> oh, God. Like, like you can't, you can't say it like that without the hand wave, at least. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, you know, then after that, um, we are, we did we ever get to the line score? Nope, nope, not yet. That's all the video I got. So then, no, it's well, it's not all the video I got, but all the video of Rick Fox's. No, it's when the the Augustus um, when, when they when they, when they, when they the high. So yeah, he's sitting. Augustus is what is rolling past, and Jackson calls him over because he finds. Uh, well, before that happens, sorry, before that happens, I did say uh, at the beginning of this show, at the beginning of this series, that whenever my nigga poet, aka Mums, came up. We was going to make sure to show that nigga some love. And there is a poem by him. It's real quick, though. Come on, son. Come on, son. Let me squeeze them titties, man. What? Come on. Yo, I've been been fiending for this freedom. I've been begging for the be out, been jolting for for the jump over the wall. But all I keep coming back to is them titties. Round and firm for the for the vein burn. I keep I keep bugging over the reasons for this shit I yearn. Years in this piece got me wanting the shit that I unlearn. Got me wanting to block it out. Forget about erase it from my think. Come here, brother. So after he gets done with his poem, the next thing is uh, Jackson's getting high with Kenny and Adabisi. And 
Jack and uh, Augustus like, nah, man, I can't. I've been clean for two years. This is after uh, Augustus lets us know that he's a recovering crack addict. Um, and so Jackson's like, yo, come over here and smoke something, man, or snort something. We over here talking about that game against the Bulls back in 95. And Augustus is like, man, you scored 58 that game. <laughs> you scored 58 that game. And um, hit him with all the hit him with all of the fucking peer pressure. He was like, "Yeah, we can talk about it right now." And Augustus, you know, went over there and snorted up and got so high that that nigga stood up again. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> that he, he was like, "I said I wouldn't do this, but I believe I can." <laughs> I learned two things about that nigga in that one sequence. One, he stand up hella quick. And two, he can't play basketball to save his life. Nope. Like, he can't go between the legs. He can't do... That's why they had that nigga do three straight layups. But he, they but never, he also, none of but he also had those, never played basketball. But we had this conversation before. He had on sweatpants. And you know what the nigga who plays basketball in sweatpants is there to do. He ain't there to do nothing but shoot. He is not there to dribble. He is not there to pass. He is just there to shoot. The nigga who shows up to play basketball in sweatpants is not there to do anything else at all. And actually, the nigga who's there in sweatpants will be the one who misses every single shot they take, but then somehow get the ball in the very last play of the game and make the game-winning shot and talk shit like they meant to do that shit. All day, all what a, day. What a bank shot! Like who you, got you, next? You know you was aiming for the box. Nigga. A like, bank shot from the side, right? <laughs> <laughs> who got next? You didn't call but, that shit. But we just went past the line. Oh, what is it? When he was talking to him, and he was talking about who he who he was or whatever like that, and he says this line, and it is the line I internalized when he goes fucking role model now would anyone <laughs> would anyone that's me you, when, when role if, model. exactly when anyone tells me about you know like if if i'm a i'm a good person or anything like that like that is the line that i'm thinking in my head so if you ever tell me that i'm a good person or i'm a dope person or i'm a good friend um that is the line that i am internally thinking every fucking time so like if you so like rashani when you say nice things about me that is exactly what i'm thinking at that time fucking role model, fucking role model. so <laughs> i missed that line because after uh, Augustus poorly hoops against Rick Fox, Adam Beastie blows up his dream by saying, you know that's been up Kenny's ass, right? <laughs> <laughs> that, too late to worry about the shit now. Oh, that shit was so funny, though. Adam Beastie just threw it out of nowhere. Uh, so then we find out the side still isn't taking his medicine. Uh, I swear he's he if he got out of jail that nigga end up being an anti-vaxxer. But uh Saeed's not taking his medicine. He's not gonna take his medicine. Sister Peter Marie can't make him take his medicine. Even if she tries to take the mother role with him, he's not gonna take his meds. Next thing that happens is Husseini Mershad. It's shows always up the light-skinned nigga that shows up. It gotta go so fucking hard, bro. Why is this the case? Like, if you look at look at look at look at Black Lives Matter, all the light-skinned niggas go real hard for Black Lives Matter, like super hard. 
like the nigga who played in Grey's Anatomy. Why is he so super hard about all of this stuff, man? It's the light-skinned niggas that's always... You know, you're what's absolutely his, what's right. His name? Be- what's his name? The other Jesse, dude. Jesse Williams. No, no. Jesse what's, the, what's, what's the name of the other dude? The one that don't nobody like. Um, because they try to they keep trying King. to figure out. Yes, light-skinned light <laughs> niggas. It's always light-skinned niggas. Why is it always them? You know, you're absolutely right because on the other side, it's it's like light-skinned white people who are uh, really into the Proud Boys and shit. Just really pale motherfuckers. Right. So. <laughs> who who just got who just got the uh cop justice turned on them and they're like why us though we i thought we was on the same team <laughs> thought we had each other so hussein emmer said is being sponsored by kareem saeed uh he's a militant motherfucker he was convicted on august 11th 1997 for attempted murder and assault uh he got 20 years and he's up for parole in three uh, and his whole thing is he thinks the time for talking is past he wants action uh, there's a point where he's talking, where uh, Saeed is talking, and Ross, who we've already mentioned, is a fucking skinhead uh, in his own right. Ross, I don't know about Groves. I think Groves is just crazy and hangs with everybody, but Groves keeps sitting with the skinhead, so that makes him skinhead affiliate. And two other folks are sitting there eating, uh, and Saeed is talking. And Ross like, yo, can you shut the fuck up? And so... This yeah, the shit fun, happens. The, the funniest moment happens during this. Everybody sit down. He's making fun of the word of God, honestly. God does not need you to defend him from a moron. What God needs you to do is to rein in your basic instincts. What God needs you to do is just to be a little patient, brother. The more little skirmishes you get us involved in, the more you weaken the holy war we about to fight. So where are you from, Minister? From? Yeah, where are you from? You're not from the ghetto, right? I was born in the ghetto. But unlike most, I got out. I have traveled the world, Hussein. Studied the great religions. And I've sat at the knee of mystic, shaman, and madmen. I know the world, yeah. Hussein. Maybe you've been on the mountaintop for so long you forgot where you came from. I have not forgotten who I am. Well, uh, maybe Allah sent me to remind you. Hmm? Now, I just want to give this dude his credit. I do want to give him his roses. Roger <laughs> Guinevere Smith is very good at being that dude. No, but it's, here's my problem. And I don't know if anyone else noticed this, but why the fuck does this guy sound like Michael Rappaport? Like they sound exactly the fucking same. <laughs> um, but no, the part the part that I thought was one of the funniest moments in this episode is the part that happened before that, during the during the 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 lunchroom scene where <laughs> Saeed um they, all of this stuff goes up. He goes to the to, to to fight Ross and Saeed. I don't know what, where this came from, but Saeed, of course, goes to stand in between the two gentlemen who are about to fight. And I don't know if it was just me, whether I was sleepy or high or something, but did that nigga Saeed do the snake in the way? Like, no, that's that's exactly how he slid in. He slid into he slid in between them like niggas sliding dimensions. Just he just he just did the yeah, snake did. in the way. Like no, 
brother. But you also and he noticed was so that, much shorter than both of them too. They should have mushed his little ass. Ain't nobody mushing Saeed. They all would have got killed. But uh, you notice that Saeed was everybody's wearing white except for Mershad, who's wearing black. Like he's the one who doesn't fit in with the rest of the group. They tried to show that damn near in, in his in in his uh, what's that called a kufi his hat. Mm-hmm. And and he's wearing the with the key, like he's wearing the the, the red, the black, and the green sissies. Like exactly. <laughs> so after he after Mersha exclaim reference for people who didn't get that. After Mersha has the talk with Saeed, where he's like, maybe maybe Allah sent me to tighten you up. He starts talking to whoever will listen to him. Hey, Mom, Saeed's moving slow, man. It worries me. He knows best, brother. Yeah, well, he's blessed by Allah and all that, but that don't mean he can't be warm. So? So I'm thinking, uh, you know, he might be more valuable to us as a symbol rather than as a leader. Symbol? Yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> Nothing, man, no. I'm just talking smack, man. I'm just, I'm just wasting time. Listening to this dude do this and try and uh, get niggas to under get people to believe the side needs to be taken out. Brandon, this reminds me so much. Listening to him, I think about Tales from the Hood when he was like. I'm only scared of the spooks with guns. <laughs> yeah, I. You know what I was thinking that whole time? You can't drop the soap if ain't no soap. Because they just stood there in the shower and there was not a drop of soap during nope. that whole scene. Nope. And, and body also, wash. Probably body wash, but that also leads to the fact that they got to stick their hand up their ass crack to wash their ass. But then they just wash their hand right off. Soap is is magical, bro. Oh. So uh, he slips up and he's like, yeah, we need to make we need to make Saeed into a symbol. And the other dude was like, what are you talking about? And he was like, I'm just kidding. I'm just wasting time. These are not the droids you're looking for, you bitch. (laughs) (laughs) And so the next scene is this. What? 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 Hey, Mom, look. Were you having a heart attack? Goldot. It is the hand of God. It is the hand of God. This nigga acts on 12 all the time. Like he does not. I'm not supposed to laugh at that, but (laughs) so fucking hard at that scene. All of it is so funny to me. He is the other dude was like, it's the will of God. 
Well, oh God, my brother. They are both acting like they're in theater. Like you got to reach that person in the back row. So like you got <laughs> you got to be extra. They are both so extra. And, but like the dude who played Saeed was acting so hard. Like yeah, his- it was like he was acting like a dude. It was like if on Don't Be a Menace if they had a heart attack. And they were just going for 15 minutes. He was he was coming Elizabeth like <laughs> Yeah, he went Fred Sanford. He went Fred Sanford in the bed. Then he did a somersault off the top bump. And, onto and the like floor. this is the first time I think when I saw this the first time, I actually understood what the term barrel chested meant. Like, why the fuck is the, the his the top of his torso so round? Like it's like me with my belly, but like if my belly was my chest, because he's having a well, heart I don't attack. Understand, I don't understand how they have glass windows in all these rooms, how anybody does any dirt in their rooms. Exactly. You can just look right through the window. Like it's bright ass lights, and there's not nighttime when they cut off the lights. It's and, bright. And none of the guards saw this dude hanging halfway off the top of his bunk, <laughs> writhing in pain. Nobody. None of so, the other inmates, the other Muslims in there that fuck with him. Yeah, what was your man's in them? Also, how did he get him as a as a partner as a um because roommate he, that fast? He was the sponsor. He was the sponsor. Oh, so this, that's what happens when you sponsor someone? I don't know, but I'm just going to say I feel that. like Beecher needs to sponsor the next person who comes in there. <laughs> Never leave his fucking room. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, it's so, so the last thing we see is Saeed having a heart attack and Husseini telling them that he must go ahead and die because that's God's plan. Yo. like No, we see him giving them CPR. Yeah, yeah. they show a yeah, scene of them like yeah, bumping the chest. Yeah, yeah, he survives it, but like yeah. in the moment, he's just like, bye, nigga. Like, exactly. <laughs> so, Brandon, uh, what do you think is going to happen next? I just want to see more Beecher. I love that dude, man. I want him to get his revenge on Schillinger. Um, and I want to see, um, I don't really care so much about O'Reilly anymore because he's just up to his own dirt. But I want to see how far um, McManus deteriorates because uh, he is spiraling out of control. And it's coming up on the season finale. So I know something big has to happen to end the season. And so somebody's going to do some really fucked up shit um, in episode eight. And we're in episode seven. So we're coming up on that. So I'm looking forward to see how it's, what it's going to build to for the last episode. Yeah. So... Again, this is episode six of Return to Oswald. Um, please leave a review um, for the show, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts at. Um, let your friends know. Um, follow us on Twitter at Return to Oswald. Um, yeah. Scar, you got anything? No, nothing new. I just want to... Um... I uh, I'm on a personal mission to learn to learn how to make body butter because making lotion is hard. Make lotion, not war. No, okay, cool. Um, It sounded better in my head, and I'm ashamed. Um, It's okay if y'all are ashamed for me too. Uh, I'll take that. Brandon, you got anything? Nope. Looking forward to next week. Okay. Well. Uh, for Brandon and Scar, I am Derek. 
Um, thank you all so much for checking us out. And also, we do want to thank uh, everybody who's left a review for us at this point in time. Um, the one that I'm going to read is a five star from Big Nig 2000. Um, and that's, he's, that's a name. That is. And you know, it's not me because I would have said something like Jashani. Um, exactly. <laughs> but uh, they say, I love the way the host made me laugh about this very disturbing show. <laughs> You're welcome. Great job, guys. <laughs> oh, man. But for real, like the way that that glass just shattered, it had to have been like candy that they made look like glass mm -hmm. or something like that. It was karma. Karma, 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 karma. Karma said, listen, we're going to have to get this. I was thinking candy glass. We're going to teach this white boy a lesson. And no, but seriously, like, what's stopping a nigga from breaking out that glass literally by throwing a pencil shaving at it and then taking one of them shards and stabbing somebody's eyeball out? You had to be, you had to move pretty fast. Like, you know, you saw how fast the cops got on Beecher. They was yeah, there. He was sitting there screaming and trying to jump the rail. No, they didn't get there fast. He had time to scream at him, jump on the railing, and try to jump over the fucking balcony. Yeah, like six, like six, seven seconds. I can stab you eight times in six seconds. You got to pick up the glass fast enough not to cut your fucking hand up and then know. stab me. He was on PCP. He won't write about his he, hand. He, he ain't feeling that. <laughs> no pain, nigga. But again, thank y'all so much for checking us out. We greatly appreciate it. Um, we'll be back next Tuesday. Y'all be good. Peace. Simulcast. Don't know by now that you slipped.